0: To another episode of My Drunk Movie Theater. I'm Kyle Sutton. I'm
1: Trisha Campbell.
0: And it's been about two weeks since we last talked to you guys, so apologize for the gap in episodes. There, it's just since we released the two uh, the two episodes a week ago. Um, figured, eh, we'll take a week off. We kind of hit that post Comic Con lull, anyway, so there wasn't a whole lot of like movie news to talk about. However, in that time, we did get to experience some uh, issues with our movie theater technologically wise, which in turn leads to customer interactions that are always fun. Ah, Dresha, you want to lead off or you want me to?
1: You, you had more issues than I did. Well,
0: That's true. Okay. Well, so, uh, that first week after we released our last two episodes, we had one projector. It was, uh, not quite, it wasn't even a full showing of Lion King. There were only like nine or 10 people in there, maybe 15 at the most. um, but the bulb wouldn't strike. And so we just changed the bulb the night before. And so me and the other manager on duty, we go upstairs, start dinking around with it, trying to figure out what's going on. And, of course, we just keep hearing, dink, 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 dink. Just It's not, not wanting to strike the bulb and, and actually fire it up so that we actually have picture.
1: Something haunts my
0: nightmare. It, oh, it's awful. It's awful. And It's, it's a real innocuous sound because it's just like that clinking sound that just... It sounds like something trying to strike a fire.
1: It's like the sound a, a traditional bulb makes when it burns out when you flip yeah. the switch and it like turns on for a second and then just goes ding and it like turns off. Yeah. Imagine that, but like
0: times 10. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that happens, and so we're going, okay, it's not firing up. We tried it three times. We rebooted the, the projector. We did this, that. We did everything we could. Finally, I have to go in there, apologize to everybody, and say, look, we still have a couple other later shows. If you want to go to those, I can definitely get you moved over, refund you your tickets for that, you know, and, and get you switched with, with no extra charge. Um and, of course, everybody took me up on that for the most part. Uh, not everybody came and got a refund, which was nice. Everybody was like, you know, we understand, you know, just you know, and I if they could, I'd refund it because it was a three d showing. Uh, so, so there was there was a, a price difference in that, so they at least get that back. But I had one family that decided they just the, we 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 me personally was just completely ruining their family night out, and it's so hard for them to get together. And I'm going. Like, they did. Like, they came up, and the, the husband's sitting there going, you know, it's really hard for us to all get together. And I'm like, sir, I understand that. You know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, trying to make this work, trying to keep you guys all together for your movie. And the wife goes, well, this is just ridiculous. And I'm going, it's a technical issue. This we is, don't want them to have We don't want, like, I don't want you unhappy. Well, you're going to refund us for our popcorn and drink. You know what? Sure. I guess I'll do that. Why not? So... They want to buy, getting tickets to the next show anyway. So, and they finally calmed down once they, they got their money back and all of that. And they were actually a lot easier to deal with. But, you know, we're not sitting here trying to just have all these issues and just make everybody's lives miserable. I hope I hope you guys out there listening know that. I'm sure you do. If you've been listening this long, you know <laughs> we're not in this to just piss everybody off. Now, granted, I'm good at it. And, uh, you know, I'll ride it out. Um, but yeah, just like to personally, and I, and I know people do that and I don't think it's fair, but I get it from a psychological standpoint. It just sucks. And just keep in mind, we're people too, yeah. you know, and especially when it comes to these issues. So as it turns out with the bulb, that was a brand new bulb. It was just faulty. And so luckily it's warrantied out. So we put the old bulb back in as it's dying and it still works just fine. Go figure. Um, so we were able to get that projector back up and running, wait for a new bolt to come in, we'll, we'll take care of it. So we did. Uh, I think two days later, however, I come in and we've got, I'm coming in for a swing shift. So basically it's like a noon to eight. So I don't have to come in and open, but I don't have to come in and close either. But it kills the rest of my day.
1: It's true. It's
0: whatever. You know, you take it as you can. Uh, I come in and the two managers on duty both look at me and they go, Kyle, you better thank your lucky stars that you didn't have to open this morning. And I go, why? And they go,
1: it's when you're like, Oh no.
0: Yeah. I'm sitting there going, going, what shit show did I walk into today? And is it going to happen to me now that I'm here? So as it turns out, they had come in and we had our, our technicians come in overnight to work on some things. Um, specifically sound issues because we've been having issues with the the pre-shows not playing uh, you know the audio correctly and a few other things and they're just doing general kind of maintenance stuff on our speakers anyway they didn't have sound on like four projectors which is a big issue well i think about three issues three projectors one of them was just uh not in schedule mode and that's why the movie didn't start on time so that was that was not yeah that was super minor that was an easy fix uh, but the other three had no sound. Uh, Keep one in of mind,
1: we we're, were fairly decently taught at troubleshooting projectors mm-hmm. and projector servers. I don't think any of us really know much about sound issues. But when we start having sound issues, we all just kind of panic.
0: Yeah. Um, which is funny, because after talking to the head technician that came out to deal with that, I asked him, is there any, like classes or any kind of manual or anything that we can get to learn to actually work with that stuff. And he goes, no. He goes, we don't deal a whole lot with the sound issue. He goes, everything I know about the sound stuff is just dealt with from experience. And I'm going,
1: fantastic!
0: Excellent! You make our jobs (laughs) that much easier. Thank you so much. It's not his fault. That's just the way it is.
1: He does. He's a little too brutally honest at
0: times. (laughs) Yeah. So...
1: I honestly love him. I do though. He saved. Oh, he's great! God like, like so it's,
0: many times. that's actually the first time I've actually got to sit and actually have a conversation with him and actually go through some of these issues we're having. And yeah, like dude's very had to
1: knowledgeable. Have the cell phone number, I have it too. Which so coming very handy. Yeah. Either someone else has said something to piss me off, and I can be like, "Hey, tell me how to fix this," because I don't want to talk to this person anymore. Right. Or the time that I called the helpline,
0: which after hours
1: forwards to. Whoever is on call, whatever number they set up. Well, apparently, whoever that person was one night, mm-hmm. we're having some sort of issue with their phone because when I called the helpline, I got the sorry, the number you've dialed is uh, not in service. Yeah, which is great when uh, you have a theater full of people and with a broken projector you're trying to fix. Yeah, but it's handy when you have the lead technician's phone number and you can be like, "Hey, I can't get a hold of someone. Tell me how to fix this." Right, and he can fix it and be like. I'll go figure out who's
0: on call. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so I had the pleasure of working with him the other day. And he was great. He was actually very helpful. Um, so he got there. And, of course, I tried powering off amps, tried rebooting the entire projector from computer on up, like the whole oh, yeah. thing, like it did the whole thing. Um, inadvertently, because I turned off the, like, the battery backup that was attached to this particular projector. So, but it's fine. Nobody's in the theater anyway, because they've already come and yelled at the other two managers on duty, so. And they've already canceled shows for, like, the next round or so. So, it's like, well, it's not hurting anything at this point. It probably needs a full reset, so. Um... Anyway, come to find out that the reason we are having these issues, so the other two managers, well, one of the two managers, because the other one had to run off and and go deal with customers at one point in time. The other one found that two of the projectors were just completely unplugged from the power source. I don't know how you forget to plug those back in if you're a technician, but shit happens, I guess. The one that we're working on, though, is a complete and total issue because... Come to find out, as we're looking through, and, and and this head tech is taking us through it, they didn't, pl- it still had power, but there's a crossover unit that was not, didn't have all of its plugs plugged in all the way, if at all. So, like, there's three ports that have to be plugged into. One's plugged in completely, one's half ass plugged in, one's not plugged in at all. So, it's like the three little bears of giving me shit for the day, uh... Anyway, so only one of them is just right. So yeah, come to find that out. So I'm sitting there going, at what point, what point are your texts going to make your job easier, and at what point are they going to make it harder? And on this particular day, oh, and the best part is they got to come back that night and the next night to do more work. And I'm sitting there going, joy. So yeah, but I guess the customers that they had to deal with, I. From what I understand, one woman like flat out screamed at these two managers on duty. Uh, one of them, one of them got called a coward because they hadn't gone in and talked, told everybody what was going on yet. Uh, like I am amazed at how people react to a situation that is not life or death. Like you're not going to like if anything, you lose a little money going to see the movie. You lose a little bit of your time.
1: I- I think what people don't get, like when I hear there's an issue, my first reaction is going to be go figure out what's going on. Right. Not let me go say something to the customers. Because if it's something that's going to take me 30 seconds to fix, I'd rather just go upstairs, fix it, and mm-hmm. move on with my day. Yeah. Rather than take the time to go in, talk to customers, delay it even more. Because we're on a schedule. Yeah. And usually if I get upstairs, I'm like, okay, is this going to take a minute or two? I'm going to get it going and we'll be fine. If I have to like reboot a projector, if there's another manager or someone downstairs that I can send in to talk to, I will do that at that point when I know it's going to take more than like a minute or two. Because mm-hmm. rebooting projectors and server takes could take five minutes yeah. for everything to boot up and have it ready to go. But there's people that like the, pretty much this the second something happens or doesn't happen, they want someone in there telling them what's going on. Well, we don't know, mm-hmm. and our first priority is fixing it, not talking to you. So if you can be patient for five minutes, yeah, chances are someone will be in to talk to you. And if we realize it's taking longer than that, we will send someone to talk to you. Right. Don't be constantly coming out and harassing our, you know, teenage frontliners because they really don't know what's going on. All they know is that we've gone upstairs to look at it. Mm-hmm. And that's all they're gonna be able to tell you. Yeah. So we get that you're frustrated, but right. you have to be patient while we try to fix things. Yeah. Because if you try to rush us, we're just going to say sorry. Movie's canceled. Here's a refund. Exactly.
0: Anyway. And I've done that before, and I hate doing it because yeah. I don't we I, try to
1: avoid that if at all possible.
0: Right. You know, it, we're like in, in my view, like at that point, that is absolute worst case scenario. Yeah. Like somewhere in the middle, best case scenario is I go and flip a switch, and it works just fine. Yeah. Somewhere in between is I skip your previews, and that's it. And I know a lot of people come and, like they like come into the movies and seeing the previews, and I get that too. But I'd rather you be able to see the movie and skip the previews yeah. than not see anything at all.
1: And keep it on track and not have to yeah. inconvenience the, the next, next show people. as well. Which and you have to get about more readmits, right. and more passes and deal with more upset people. right?
0: Because yeah, their it movie snowballs.
1: is delayed for an issue that had nothing to do with them.
0: Right. Um yeah, so, but like I said, it's just the way people react to those little situations. Like I said, I get being upset about what's going on, but sit there and yell at somebody call them a coward because they haven't come and spoken to the audience yet about what's going on. Now, granted, yeah, it probably took them longer to get down there than it should have to explain what was going on, and I could definitely see that being the case. But come on, a coward over that. Just get over yourself. But, yeah, um... That's okay, though. It's still not even the worst techno technical issue I think I've ever had at a, at a theater, at any of these. Uh, best one is still, uh, this is about 10 years ago, The Vampire's Assistant. Have I told you this story? Probably, but I
1: don't remember the top of
0: my head. I, told, I, I don't think I've told the story on the show, so I'm going to go ahead and tell it now, because Statute of Limitations is uh, is over and done with, so I'm not going to get in trouble for drinking on the job there, because Dickinson Theater's no longer exists. Uh, it's now totally... The building... The building is now owned by another company, and they they still run movies there. But this is back in the the wild Westwood days of 35mm. It's a Thursday night. It's the last showing that we have of The Vampire's Assistant. Like, completely the last. It's not the last of the the night. It's the last ever. So we've got to shut it down, which I never saw that movie. And after what happens next, I have no desire to. Um, So, anyway, uh, so we have a brain wrap. On Oh, no. oh now, now, let me explain the brain wrap to you guys. So you had these old platter systems. So you've seen on in movies on these old projectors, you see the reel-to-reel. When I was coming up, it was now a platter systems. So you had these three big platters that were just on a tree stacked on top of each other. Well, then you had something called the brain. It was a, a big – it was another wheel device, and it was a lot smaller, but it was still chunky. Anyway, and that's what you threaded the film through to take it through and actually thread it through the projector. It,
1: it controlled the tension to make mm-hmm. sure that the, the film – Kept moving at the right speed, the right Right. tension, kept it straight without pulling it or letting it tangle.
0: Hence called the brain. Well, every
1: now and then it it has a brain part and it it messes up, and you get this massive jumble of film called brain wrap.
0: Yeah. So. No, it's not, and it's, uh, so this this happened to us on this particular night, and so it's me and uh, my buddy Austin are working. Um, Austin's been on the show, and I I should have had him him on for this one, just to talk about this. But anyway, so he and I are working, and so we've got to break it down. He's actually running the booth for that night, and so he's like, this is what's going on. So I have to readmit the one person that came to see the vampire's assistant that night, so I still blame that person for this happening. If they hadn't shown up to see the movie, we wouldn't have played it, wouldn't have had this issue. Yeah. I digress. So, it down, it up. yep, exactly. Right, yeah. Yep, exactly. But no, no, somebody had to come see that what looked like a turd starring John C. Riley, which is unfortunate for him. But anyway, so I go up there and there's it's a brain wrap, And Trisha, it is that thick around. It's like two inches or like an inch and a half, whatever, whatever this is. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's thick, two C's. <laughs> like, you know. People be trying to get with it. That's how thick it is. So anyway, um, yeah, so we sit there and we're trying to, we can't, We at this point, we cannot just pull it off because it is just wrapped tighter than Dick's hat band around this brain. So we do what we have to do. We snip the film at, at one point and just go ahead and start breaking down what we can. And then we have the brain. Well, then what's wrapped is so tight. It's still so tight. Like we still can't get it out of there. So, we get to thinking, and we get to drinking, and things get wildly out of hand, and we still can't get this thing unbrainwrapped. Amanda joined us that night, because she came over to work with us, <laughs> and things got even worse. I don't know if it was the alcohol, or just a bunch of bad ideas, or the combination of the, th- of the two, or what, it came down to, this movie's not going back tomorrow, uh, we're just going to have to deal with it. So then we call Matt over. Oh, no. Yeah, we have to call Matt over from, from the theater where you and I work at now. Because uh-huh. uh, we had a bunch of people get swapped. So And I was one of those people. So Matt comes oh, over oh, the next yeah. night to help us out because RGM's out of town for the weekend. Which made it even better. So I don't know if you ever heard this story. And if you do, Bobby, I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway. So Matt comes over. And so we get to the end of our night. We get through all their shows, and we do the only thing we can think to do. We take the film, and we unravel it down the steps. So down the steps of the booth, down the hallway of the eight, all the way into the living room, and get it unraveled. And then use the, uh, use the breakdown table to roll it back up onto the reel. Yeah that point the movie was a turd anyway we didn't care <laughs> we just wanted it out
1: <laughs> I feel bad for whatever second run theater got that print after you Oh, I know you butchered. know someone did and oh, I, know. I was like what the hell
0: happened it was, it was definitely amateur hour over over at the belt Nate that night so
1: that yeah, reminds me of uh, there was a Thursday night Um, so I used to work Thursday nights as a manager with the same manager and the same booth booth lead mm-hmm. all the time and, uh, we, we kind of had, cause Thursday, night, so Thursday nights are always, every theater I've ever talked to, inventory night, cause in the movie theater business, Friday is the start of the week. So Thursday night you do your inventory, you got your new movies coming out. So at the time we had, um, traditional mylars, individual little clear signs that you have to put on every, above every, uh auditorium and above we had them above the hallways and you had to do time changes on the box office all that
0: yeah they were great
1: so we had it down that stacy was upstairs taking care of the booth doing her thing breaking down whatever prints needed to go making mm-hmm. sure the new stuff was built up uh, everything she needed upstairs andrew would do inventory i would do all the time of mylar changes well this particular thursday night um because it wasn't just new movies coming in and old movies going out, you also have to move stuff. Because you know, you want your new movies to go in big houses, so the movies that were in those big houses have to go to smaller houses. Yep. So sometimes those print moves did not always make sense. This was one of those print moves. So Andrew finishes inventory and heads upstairs because he to help which whoever got done first would always set upstairs stop Stacy whatever she needed to. Yeah. So sometimes, so, so these prints, some of them could get pretty big, especially the longer the movie, the bigger the print.
0: Right, and it's no longer the individual reels. You're piecing them all together yeah. into one big reel on the platter. So
1: Stacey was always a stickler for you use clamps, you use two people, you take every precaution to make sure that nothing happens to this film.
0: Which is funny because before that, the people I worked with, we have they're the twins, and they are twins, and they're two big dudes. And they would just straight up take the film. they put two clamps on it, but then they like hoist it over their shoulders. And they just Stacey, transfer it Stacey that Stacey way.
1: Stacy and I both carried Winnie the Pooh, which was an hour long, and we both laughed at ourselves the entire time we were doing it. But yeah. She was like, I said,
0: this is ridiculous, this is but ridiculous vibe. Yeah. I'm
1: going to stick by my rules. Right. So I finished up downstairs. I head upstairs. And I'm looking for them thinking, they've got to be almost done. All the movies are done. Just finishing up, you know, shutting down the last street projectors, what it's probably 1.32 o'clock in the morning. And I'm headed up there like, all right, let's go see where they're at. Like, let's go home. And I turn the corner, walking down towards 10 and 16. So 10 and 16, they're across the hall from each other. So that means their projectors are across the booth from each other, like yeah. back to back. For some reason, it was one of the Planet of the Apes movies. I don't remember if it was the reboots. It was, I don't remember if it was so- the first or the second one.
0: Uh, It would have been
1: 2011. It would have been the first one. Okay. It
0: would have been rise. Because we went digital
1: that December. I was promoted in May. We went digital that December.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it would have been. I only had that
1: length of time with 35 millimeter as a manager. Yeah. So apparently, what had happened? So it would have been. You said rise.
0: It would have been rise. Yep.
1: So rise of the planet of the apes. We meet to ten from I think from ten to sixteen. It might have been the other way around. I don't remember. Either way. Kind of a dumb move, because those two houses have similar amount of seats, so it yeah. didn't really, it's it kind of a pointless move. Either way, apparently, they had gotten it, they gotten it wrapped up, taped up, and Stacy told Andrew, stay here, don't go without me, I have to go shut down the projector. So she goes around the corner to like 11 or 12, yeah. shut down that projector, mm-hmm. intending to come back, and then they're going to move it. I think... They had to move that, and then they still had to break down um, Cowboys with aliens. Oh, yeah. So apparently what had happened is that Stacy went around the corner to go shut down the projector. And Andrew decided, in his infinite wisdom, Hey, there's only like 10 or 12 feet between these two platters. I can move it by myself. I don't remember if there was only one clamp. I feel like there might have not been any clamps, but I, I feel like there's at least one clamp, but I'm not sure. Either mm-hmm. way, there was not enough clamps for the movie of its size. He decided he was going to move it by himself. He gets about halfway between the two platters, and it starts to buckle. Yep. Once it starts to buckle... It's done. There is no going back. Nope. So he has no choice but to just drop it on the floor. Oh about the time Stacy came back around the corner so I walk up they are already sitting on the floor surrounded in loose film as Stacy's trying to untangle it and you know splice it where she can and fix it and I honestly thought someone was going to die that night because <laughs> Stacy falls under the short yet very mighty category yes this trick played roller derby yeah. She will come for your balls. Right. So I walk around. There, I'm like, "Hey, uh,
0: and I was say." And knowing Andrew like I do, stubborn as he is, yeah, yeah. he knows he would have also deserved. So it. So I'm
1: just like, point. "Oh no." Yeah. To which Stacy really goes, "So, uh, you know how to break down a print?" It's like,
0: "No." You're, you're you gonna learn, learn today.
1: today. <laughs> so uh, she literally. It's pretty easy. Luckily. It is. So she sat me down and gave me a crash course in breaking down film. And so I sat there and I broke down Cowboys versus Aliens while they attempted to fix Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And I finished uh, breaking down that print. And Stacy said, you know what? You can go home. We'll finish this. And I just like, okay, bye. And I got out of there. Andrew did survive the night. Yes. And luckily Stacy's husband, who is also in the biz, and wants to be on the show, actually.
0: I need to get him on here.
1: Uh, he volunteered to come in and watch the movie to make sure it was okay. everything was okay. So that... But I know I didn't leave until probably 3 or 3.30.
0: Yeah. 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 With I
1: thought Andrew's going to die. She was so mad at him.
0: Yeah. So with, with my incident at Melton, we didn't get out of there until 6 a.m. Like we saw the <laughs> sun coming up and we just went, oh, shit. <laughs> and so we, we said, all right. Well, we we had a ritual. So like we closed every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we're young. We're dumb. We're 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there. Uh, the ritual was, especially if we were drinking and we were at work. Um, again, sorry, Bobby. Uh, a group of us, we'd bounce on over to, to Waffle House. And this is like the ritual on every Thursday, Friday, Saturday there's, night.
1: IHOP at our,
0: on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. So I miss those days. Uh, yeah, that's still a thing from time to time. Yeah. But the
1: kids still go to IHOP. Good for them. Good for them.
0: for them. Good Which for them. Good for them. Which is funny
1: because there's a Waffle House, literally.
0: Meanwhile, meanwhile, five. we've gotten old and we're just sitting there going, let's get off at five so we can go hit La Fuente and get margaritas yeah. or go hit my diametric Brewing so that way we can go get beer. So, some days we- you're just like, I just need a drink. And we'll sit there at the bar and drink after work. <laughs> Not very often. So And we do have to pay for our liquor there because okay. it's cheaper elsewhere. But, I digress. I do have one other thing. And this is just another issue with my customers this week because then we're going to take a break. So... You and I use CBD oil vapes mm-hmm. to calm our nerves, to do whatever, and because pot's yeah. not legal in Missouri, so, you know, we do what we yeah, can. I
1: usually just take a little bit and we work.
0: Yeah. Because
1: I has anxiety. Right. And it just makes the day go longer. Right.
0: So we vape, it's a very minimal amount of vaping. And I know there are people out there that are Couple using plus Yeah.
1: Usually before I even get to right. my
0: house. Right. And while that, that, that vape cloud disappears pretty quick, don't do it in the damn auditorium while you're watching a movie. Like seriously, it is especially if you're using the one that has actually got the the nicotine and all that in it. Um, yeah, I don't know what the studies are on it, but in a dark it's,
1: auditorium. Like I know, I know you can't see the the light projecting from between the projector and the screen. You yeah. can just see what's on the screen. It's there. Yeah. And I know some of you know it's there because I watch stupid teenagers jump up and stick their hands in it and block it and they think they're hilarious. Yeah. Right. So when you blow a cloud of smoke, even if it's vape smoke, it's still smoke, right. up into the theater, guess what? It catches the light. It does. And everybody in the auditorium can see it and they will notice it and they will be annoyed. I've watched it happen and gotten annoyed.
0: Yeah. I oh, don't know, I've had one customer like come out, he's asthmatic, and so he can't be breathing yeah. that stuff in. So, as a, a as a courtesy to your fellow movie theater patron, walk outside the damn building, go use your vape pen, because we don't want you doing it in the building anyway.
1: If you can't sit through a two-hour movie, which a lot of movies aren't even a full two hours, but even, even if mm-hmm. you can't sit for two hours smoking, mm-hmm. you need a good help. You need to come back. You need to do something. Right. Because that's not okay.
0: Yeah. So, at the very least, take your problem outside. So, because it's, again, it interferes. It's just like using a phone during a movie. It is distracting. And, in some ways, again, if I had kids, I wouldn't want them breathing in my my vape smoke. So, I wouldn't do it around them. Why would you do it around other people's children? I know they're not your kids, to quote an old friend of mine. But, there's such a thing as courtesy towards your fellow person. And... Especially after this weekend, I think we need that more than ever. So, um,
1: smoke whatever you need to before you go in, right? Just smoke it as soon as you get it out after the movie. Yep, you absolutely have to do it during the movie. I know you don't want to miss anything, but you got a decision to make do you want to smoke or do you want to watch a movie? Right, because you're not, it's not okay to subject other people to that just because you're too right. lazy to either fix your habit mm-hmm. or get up and walk out.
0: Yeah, so. Yeah, it's just like I said, it's a courtesy thing. So I wouldn't do it around around you know other people's children or my own children or whatever. So why why is it okay for you to do it to others? And like I said, it's just distracting. It's distracting. You see that puff of cloud go up, and you're waiting for somebody to grab a blanket and just start sending smoke signals. Like <laughs> seriously, um, you know. And after I already had one bad enough distraction to watch the movie this week, and I'll talk about that later because we're going to be talking about Hobbs and Shaw. Um, but Watched it again with Kyle Humphrey on Thursday night after you and I watched it. Had a lady on her phone the entire time shopping for panties. So we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Uh, Right? I know it's a good way to lead off, but I'm going to save that for when we get to the Hobbs and Shaw discussion later. So uh, stick around. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our usual uh, movie news, box office stuff, and all that good stuff. So stick around. Alright, we're back. During the break, Trish has been sitting here looking at uh, the Players Weekend uh, nicknames for various ball players, specifically the Royals Club, but uh, it's apparently got some thoughts on, on somebody taking the nickname Sandy, uh, Sandman. or Sandman, because their last name's Sandy. First name, or first name, whatever. I wasn't paying enough attention. I just know that you were upset. <laughs> anyway, but that's another story for another time. So... All right, so let's go to the box office real quick. We had this weekend uh, only one real contender. Okay, so because we missed last week, we had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that opened number two. Tarantino's biggest opening, you know, ever, which is kind of fascinating just because he hasn't – he's got such a following. But I digress. Anyway, so this weekend, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, open to number one at 60 million. So that was on the lower end of projections between 60 and 70. Uh, of course, Lion King holds up at number two. Uh, that one's been having some big drops. Yeah. Because it opened to 185, and then it dropped to, what, 75 last weekend, now 38.5 this weekend. Um, it does not have the legs that I definitely didn't expect it to. I think people, word's gotten out that we can stay home. Yeah. Um, and if you listen to that episode last week, can you feel the annoyance tonight? Uh, you'll definitely hear why. So um, apparently it gained 77 screens though. What? Sorry, I'm on boxofficemojo.com. And if you look on there uh, and actually check like the weekend stats, it'll show you what the theater count is for each movie. So how many screens it's playing on. Um, and it'll show you how it changes each week. So um, so yeah, that one gained seventy-seven screens. So Disney's got
1: money
0: and power. I, I'm telling you. So Spider-Man dropped four hundred and five screens, though.
1: Eh,
0: whatever. Anyway, uh, so yeah, once upon a uh, once upon a time in Hollywood dropped uh, about fifty percent, down to twenty million after opening at a little over forty last week. Uh, and then Spider-Man: Far From Home at number four was seven point nine million, and then Toy Story Four rounds out the top five at seven point three million. No real shockers here, I don't think. Um, I'm actually kind of shocked that Hobbs and Shaw didn't open a little bit bigger, uh, just because of the rocks draw. And then, of course, you team him up with Jason Statham. The movie looked ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was a lot of fun, though. Um, but yeah, I just I feel like I thought it was going to open a little more, especially after the last few Fast and Furious movies have opened pretty big. Um, What do you think? Um,
1: I kind of figured it wouldn't be
0: anything super crazy. Definitely, excuse me, definitely felt like a slow weekend at the theater. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, at least at our location. Um, And I feel like that was the only thing that was selling. So, we've since moved once upon a time in Hollywood to smaller screens, and it's still Mm -hmm. selling well in those smaller screens.
1: Yeah. So, we were also slow because. We have 16 screens.
0: We only had six movies to pick from. Yeah, the lack of uh, the lack of choices really hurt.
1: Because still saw so many movies with multiple screens.
0: Yes, um, that's okay though. That all changes this week because we get five new releases, Trisha. We get five movies to choose from. What we're not going to watch. So, because we've got scary movies or scary stories, scary movies, scary stories,
1: scary stories, and tell in the
0: Dark. Yep. Uh, so we got that opening. We've got the uh, the art of racing in the rain,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the what third dog movie we've had this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Although this one actually looks pretty good, um, okay. and the critic response on it so far has been far more positive than the other ones that were released earlier this year. We've got uh, the kitchen with uh, Elizabeth Moss, uh, Tiffany Haddish, and uh, Melissa McCarthy which actually doesn't look bad. Basically them taking over the mob for their husbands in jail and set in the seventies. So, but based on a comic book, so we'll see how that goes. And then there are two others. What else is opening? Dora. Oh yeah. Dora and the lost city of gold. So can you say cash grab cash grab? <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit the second trailer for it though, actually had me go, that doesn't look absolutely terrible. It looks like a kid's movie for sure, but the fact that they were actually playing playing with the the whole her talking to the screen as a little kid or to the camera as a little kid, I went, All right, they at least know they're not taking this seriously at all. So I'm like, it's gonna be okay. I'm not gonna watch it, but I had to I had to give them props for that. And then what's that last movie we've got coming out this week? I
1: it was something i never
0: heard of. Probably was. Uh, Brian Banks, which is based on a true story. Uh we that. Yes, we do. I put that up. While I was rearranging everything.
1: There's some old people looking at it. The other
0: day. Yes. Football, drama, wrongful convictions, very politically timely. I was so. going to
1: say you put your list in the order of remote- Things I'm most likely to watch to least likely to watch, but you have to
0: flip the other two. It's true. Well, Dora Never would have to be last. Anyway. Well, and I was trying to remember what all was coming out yeah. because again, I haven't had five movies come out at the same time in a few weeks. So because
1: we're getting into fall, I like, know summer's th- over. It's not quite Christmas yet. It's not time for
0: school starting back. It's not
1: time for it's time, time know, to start dumping stuff. Spooky season, scary movies.
0: Right. So
1: let's just. Dump all the crap. We don't
0: know how to do it. Right, um, of that bunch, you and I are both excited about scary stories. Yeah. Um, just because we we read, I'm currently rereading the first book right now. Uh, in rereading it, of course, there's no like set narrative through that book, so you have to come up with one. Mm-hmm. But it looks like they've come up with one that's going to tie those stories together, and it's going to work. And Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro, we trust.
1: I remember when I heard they were doing it, I was nervous until I heard that Mm -hmm. Guillermo del Toro was attached to it. And that's when I went, okay, sold. Yeah. That's all I need to know. If anyone can take those books and do, do something with it and do it well, it's
0: him. I fully expect it before we saw that it's going to be an angle where we're following a group of teenagers that are basically Mm -hmm. trying to solve murders that are revolving around these ghost stories. Um, I was fully expecting it to be kind of like an anthology movie, kind of like a Twilight Zone movie or a um, uh, creep show where you've got bookends for, for the whole thing, and you've got kids sitting around telling scary stories to each other, and yeah. they're telling these graphic violent stories and trying to scare each other. And then, of course, at the end, of course, you get a big twist. So, uh, Which is kind of what I expected them to do for Goosebumps as well, yeah, and they, they didn't do expecting it. expecting like a
1: – Kind of uh, a uh, – are You Afraid of the
0: Dark? Yes. Like five five. Right. So, except not Are You Afraid of the Dark. But, um, and like I said, rooted more in the. It's apparently being rebooted, by the way. Yes, it is. It'll be on Nickelodeon. It actually doesn't look terrible. I probably still won't watch it. So, but at least the next generation's got it. So, good for you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so I expected, I expected something different. Now that we actually have a full narrative that's going to tie some of those stories together. I'm going, all right, I'm in. Let's check it out. Uh, Art of Racing in the Rain. I still want to read the book. Um, I know I'm gonna ball my eyes out though, just because. Yeah,
1: I've heard people say that I've already seen it. Apparently, it's very sad.
0: Yeah. So, um, I don't do all the dog movies anyway. So, <laughs> uh, and knowing that the, uh, according to the plot synopsis I read, that the dog is actually preparing for reincarnation, I'm going great. So, I've got to brace mm-hmm. myself for the dog to definitely die yep. by the end of the runtime. Yep. Um, And John Wick's not coming back to get revenge for him, so no. no. So there's no there's no no way to make up for it. So um but I still want to see it. Everything else and just kinda whatever. So um But the kitchen I did kinda wanna see. So based on the one trailer I saw for it.
1: Kind of apathetic to it. I'd watch it. Yeah, yeah. If I don't watch it, I don't
0: care. Yeah, it's one of those if I've got time I'll probably watch it after work or something. So um so yeah so that'll do it for that let's go on to trailers so we had a couple you want to talk 1917 first or do you want to talk the fanatic i feel like you got some thoughts on the fanatic
1: it's terrible it looks terrible
0: so hold on i regret ever
1: watching it and it's all your
0: fault uh i'm sorry what was that joe manganello movie that you showed me that looked like trash as well
1: not as bad as fanatic
0: no, no, no. No, it was just as cliché, brittled, and poorly shot, and all that. It looked awful. So eye for an eye on this one.
1: Yeah, but now I have that image of John Travolta. With that,
0: With that weird haircut? That
1: weird haircut in my brain forever.
0: Oh, I do too. At least
1: everyone in the baseball movie looks normal. Eh, Nothing to haunt your nightmares.
0: No, no, just, you know, they're terrible. Just a terrible
1: movie that you can laugh at.
0: Oh. This I'll... just
1: looks... Like, I'm going
0: to have nightmares of it. Oh, I'm going to laugh at how terrible it is. I mean, you saw his haircut. The fact that Fred Durst... So, hold on. So, if you haven't watched the trailer yet, do so, because it's absolutely terrible and you'll get a good laugh out of it. Uh, so, basically, John Devin Travolta... Devin does not deserve this. Devin Stalwell signed up for it, so it's all on him. <laughs> so, I have no sympathy for that man. I'm sorry.
1: He's trying to reboot his career. No, he should
0: try elsewhere. TV is looking for a lot of different actors right now. So, the fact that... They got they got Travolta, and they got Devin Sawa, who are both just, just in the tank right now as far as their careers go, because Travolta hasn't made a good movie in years. I actually went through a filmography and like named off movies that he's made since 2008. I think I saw maybe two of them and heard of four of them total. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Devin Sawa, I didn't bother with, because I'm like, eh, after Final mm. Destination and Idle Hands, he's he's just been off the radar. But who's allowing Fred Durst to make movies? Good question. Like, that's what I want to know. Limp Biscuits, Fred Durst did it all for the nookie and kept rolling, rolling, rolling with his way or the highway is now directing freaking movies. Somebody gave this man a budget and said, make this. <laughs> and I think he actually wrote it, too. And he said, I want to make this. And somebody said, here you go. Have some money. And I'm going, why? Why? And so basically the whole film. I
1: mean, Gary's not a bad plot. It's just. Overdone. it is overdone Indeed, it doesn't do it
0: well well i like i i'm still sitting there trying to figure out if if john travolta is supposed to be like slow learning special needs
1: Or be
0: weird or just flat out weird like they did not convey any of this no. stuff well at all um yeah it just it looks so bad that i had to share it with you so but to be fair, you and I can't remember the name of the Joe Manganella movie. And that, that tells me all I need to know as far as how, how bad either one of these is going to be. There are movies that are so bad that you just forget the, what they're called. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that movie with that one guy in it. Uh, uh, well, see,
1: I think it's forgettable. But I think when it's so bad that you remember what it's called because it was so bad, that's worse because the, the and L one, you just I just don't care enough about it to, right. to have the energy to remember the title. Oh, no. But the Fred Durst pile of steamy shit that that is, like, that's forever seared in my brain because it was so bad.
0: But that's one of those things that you could pop out at a party and be like, hey, you guys want to see something truly awful and you know what to look up. That, to me, is much better because that's a whole topic for conversation right there. So, And I know you're I know you antisocial and don't want to talk to people. And I'm lucky that you host this show with me. So the fact that, that I have to go and bring these things to you and go, here, look at this. Look at this. This is awful. And you're, you're doing the exact same to me. This is, this is the rapport that we get to have. But for me, I'm sitting there going, oh, it's so bad. I want to share with everybody. So, yeah, I think I will agree with you. The, the, the Fanatic will probably be the worst movie. And probably for all the right reasons, that it's going to be the worst movie. But I'd rather have a movie that I just absolutely loathed and just like went, this was god awful, terrible. Don't ever watch it, and be able to rant about it, than to go, I felt nothing watching that. Like I didn't, I didn't feel a thing. So utterly watchable and totally forgettable. Uh, you know, just not a good thing. Which is kind of how I felt about Venom. We've talked about that. So I honestly can't remember half of anything that happened in that movie. But we're going to go ahead and skip right back to that. So Venom 2 is coming, and Andy Serkis is directing.
1: Love Andy Serkis. Why?
0: Because money. Also, really good with the motion capture. Like, that's the one thing I would say. I don't know. I haven't seen any of his actual directorial efforts like Mowgli or Breathe. Um, This doesn't make me any more excited for Venom 2 than I already was, because I wasn't
1: first one
0: didn't even make that much money, did it? Uh, $800 million worldwide. It? Yeah. Yeah. It made a lot. I didn't
1: hate Venom, but
0: wasn't that great? It was not good. It was utterly watchable.
1: I mean, did I regret the time I spent watching it? I did.
0: No? Would <laughs> I watch it again? <laughs> no.
1: And I, you know how much I love Tom Hardy.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. You know what? I, so, speaking of Tom Hardy, uh, we're sitting there at work the other night, and I wound up watching. We wound up sitting at the bar watching, like, the second half of This Means War, I'd mm-hmm. not seen it and I just wrote it off as just being a terrible rom com. It was actually kind of funny and I, I have to give it credit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Is like. Is it a
1: terrible rom com? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. No, but it's no. entertaining
0: at oh, least. Oh, no. I determined that Reese Witherspoon has to be probably the most annoying woman on the planet. So, uh, but I like Chris Pine and I liked the, the energy that him and Tom Hardy both brought to it. Yeah. So, um, that being said, yeah, I don't. Uh, this The Andy Circus news does not excite me. I know for people that are fans like the motion capture stuff. Yeah. I like what he's brought to the characters that he's done. Like as much as I don't like Lord of the Rings, I liked his take on Smeagol um, and Gollum. Um, you know, obviously he's fantastic as Caesar in the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Yeah. That's come out here in the last decade. Um, and then what was the other one? Oh, I still liked him. Uh, well, this is when you actually get to see him as Ulysses Claw and Black Panther. and, and uh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah um so you know you actually get to see his face so i know he can act i know he can do all that i don't know that he can direct because i haven't seen those other two movies that he's done already but sony apparently thinks they've got something and they're willing to bank you know another 800 million dollars or so coming back into their coffers by or by getting him to direct yeah so we shall see all right so we're going to flip back to trailers because i just i had a perfect segue there and i wanted to use it so um Nineteen seventeen. You and I have talked in the past about how there are not enough World War One movies.
1: By right talk, you mean. you've said this multiple times. I say, I've said it. not like, yeah, you're
0: right. Yeah. So we've talked about it. You agree there's not enough World War One movies. You agree,
1: you just care about it more than
0: I do. I do, because I want more World War One movies. So I've had enough Civil War, I've had enough World War Two. I honestly if you gave me more American Revolution movies, I'd probably take those as well. So you just go watch the Patriot. I could just go watch the Patriot. And then just sit there and wonder how Jason Isaac sleeps at night. And he'd probably tell me on a bag full of money. So anyway. Um
1: gracious
0: when he said that will. And I'll be like, that's the nicest fuck you I've ever heard. And that's our one F bomb for the episode. <laughs> and I wanted to use it there. So anyway, so the nineteen seventeen trailer, uh, Sam Mendez is directing, of course, it did Skyfall, American Beauty, Rose Perdition. Um, that was an intense trailer. Uh, so it's got Colin Firth in it, which I didn't realize was happening. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is in it and apparently is going to be required to be in like every World War One movie ever to come out because he was in the War Horse and I know he was in another one that's either out or is coming out soon. Um, and it looks like it's going to be a race against time kind of story to save 1600 lives. Yeah.
1: Um, they have to go deliver,
0: deliver a message to a message stop an attack. To, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's right towards the end of the war, or towards the end of that battle, anyway. What you looking at? Barkslot Cumberbatch? We're gonna mess up his name as many times as we can. You're looking for the other World War On movie, aren't you? Fair enough. So, yeah, we watched it, and we both sat there. You're talking and about
1: the War Magician. Maybe this. after Doctor Strange, the next Doctor
0: Strange. Oh, I have no idea. Oh. Anyway, because it's so,
1: 1917, and then it's into 2020. I think 29. it's some. I
0: think it's something that's already come out. So now it's going to bug me that you're still having to look for it. What'd you find it? What? No.
1: What was Satan in Good Omens? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: he did the voice work for that. I
1: didn't know?
0: Uh, By the way, if you get a chance, watch Good Omens. It's fantastic on Amazon Prime. Definitely recommend it. Uh, you're still looking for it, aren't you? Yes. Anyway, so yeah, so I thought the trailer looked. Pretty intense, uh, which is what I want from from a World War One movie because that is you such a meat grinder. Was that was World War Two, wasn't it? Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying It's okay. This show's going completely off the rails now. Thanks a lot, Benedict Cumberbatch. So that's a World War Two movie. It's a spy movie. I know that. I didn't see it. Um. Anyway. So, what did you think when you when we saw? Because the first time we saw it was when we watched Hobbs and Shaw this week. I
1: don't get excited about war movies generally. Okay. So I was just like, oh, okay, World War movie, cool.
0: That's it. No, no, like real big response to it.
1: Other than Kyle's going to be happy, it's a World War One movie. Happy. I mean,
0: yes, you are correct, but that's, that's
1: pretty much it.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, I just I am excited because I don't feel like that that chapter in history gets touched on a whole lot. we okay. see. So. And, and it's just nice to see something different. Because I can see... A, we already got Midway coming out this mm-hmm. year. And I feel like we get at least one World War II movie. A good one or a bad one every single year. So it's just nice yeah. to finally see a different chapter yeah. touched on. You know, We're also finally getting a Harriet Tubman movie this year. I'm excited to see that too. And I still haven't seen the trailer for it yet. But that poster looks dope. But well, we're going to talk about that later. Um, so yeah. So we'll just move on from there. Since you're not excited and I'm excited. And we'll just keep on moving. Um, so we did have some news on it. Chapter two coming out here in just a few weeks. Runtime: two hours forty-five minutes. Does that make you nervous with it being a horror film, or based on what we saw in the last one, which was what two hours and fifteen minutes? I think. Like, like, are you excited for a more expansive version of that story now, or based
1: on yeah, based on the last movie, I'm I'm ready for it. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. Like I, I would not sit there and shell out the money for a two and a half hour horror movie unless I knew it was going to be worth it. Yeah. This is almost three hours and I don't view it as being just a full on horror movie. Yes. It's got horror to it, but it's also Mm -hmm. a coming of age story, psychological thriller. thriller. It's, it's a lot of different things rolled into one, which Stephen King does really well. Um, And so I feel like it's going to be bigger than that. My question then is going to be: Is it going to have a chance at the Oscars? And is that why they're they're going to go ahead and push for this longer cut of this film? Could be, because you know the Oscars really like their like their three hour movies. Whether or not they're any good is the question. (laughs) But um, I do know that trailer was just the trailer for that was just awesome. So yeah, uh, and that running through the uh, James McAvoy running through the, the funhouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not in the book. Really? Yes. But it looks like it would fit right in with what they're, what, what everything else is going on. So, and that's the mark of a good adaptation. So that's true. we'll talk about that in the, I think next week after we get through all these book movies that are coming out. So, um, the other thing with it chapter two is that they announced that they're going to be de-aging the young actors. Now you and I watched stranger things this week. So we're, we're all caught up. We're not talking spoilers about that. But you can definitely tell a difference between Finn Wolfhard now and Finn Wolfhard in IT Chapter 1. So I'm going, okay, on the one hand, yeah, you can do a little de-aging. You can do a little makeup. And like for this, it kind of makes sense because the kids are not – they're not supposed to have aged very much at all between, between when you see them then and when you see them now. But with a new movie that's coming out called The Irishman – which I did show you the trailer for earlier with Niro, Pacino, and, and Joe Pesci, they are shaving off several decades off their lives with the de-aging process. And we've already seen that de-aging process for a full movie with Samuel L. Jackson mm-hmm. um, and Captain Marvel. Uh, we've seen it used mostly by, by Marvel for, for some of those characters just to de-age them for a scene or two. You, have, or seem to have an issue with the, the idea of de-aging these old actors to make them young again. And I get where you're going to come yeah, from. Yeah,
1: like, well, with the case of, like, It, I'm annoyed because you had these actors already. You cast kids that were on the cusp of puberty, and you didn't just go ahead and plan for that mm-hmm. and film their their scenes for chapter two early, have that script ready, have those flashbacks at least ready, and film them when they're right. all about the right age. You decided to wait and be like, oh. Well, puberty happened. Amazing, surprising. We had no idea this was coming. Sure. Now we have to de-age them. Like that—that that just took some planning. Right. And I get that that's a risk that you don't know if the movie's going to do well. But to me, that's a risk worth taking, versus right. then having to de-age them, which is also also a risk that it's going to look dumb. Right. And it's not going to work. When it comes to the Irishman, I'm annoyed because they're taking 20 years off of these actors' lives instead of just potentially giving these roles to actors who are the right age, who maybe this is, could be the role that is their big break. Instead of offering it to, to actors that are perfectly capable of doing it and doing it well, right? they're going to take these actors who are way too old for it and de-age them just so they can get the names, the big mm-hmm. names. Because let's be real, that's all they want. They want these big-name
0: actors. Sure. Well, it is Martin Scorsese directing, and so he gets what he wants, and I get that. Um, but this is a project he's also been trying to do for about 20 years now anyway. I, I definitely see your argument as far as you know, not letting somebody new have that opportunity. At the same time, what when are it comes gonna to, to
1: do with these guys when these guys die, are you just going to start CGIing them? And I think them that's where we're,
0: I think that might be where we're headed, or wanting to head. Well, I don't want to head that way. Just let them go, because then just get into Uncanny Valley territory there. But you know, that at the same time, when it comes to like a big mob story like this, especially one based around Jimmy Hoffa and all that, you know. I'm sitting there going, yeah, I wanted that movie 20 years ago. I'm going to watch it now just because, one, it's going to be on Netflix so I don't have to dedicate any money to it. Um, And two, I do want to see these three guys all act together. It's just now I've got to see them under a new technological cloud and see what happens. Um,
1: You're not seeing them act together. You're seeing a computer.
0: Right, render them together. But they're still acting on set together. It's just now they're going to have dots all over their face when they're actually on set. So, But they're also portraying them over a, peri- seri- a period of time, too. It's not just, okay, we're just de-aging them, de them. It's going to be over a series of, of decades. Because Frank Sheehan, the the, the Irish You're man, right, it's
1: too bad they had to recast Captain America as a, with an old man and de-age him. It's too bad they couldn't use makeup to make him look
0: like not didn't, I didn't say that. I'm just saying. I see where they're coming from, too. But it's like, still a
1: stupid argument. It's easier to use makeup to make someone look older than to sit there and de-age someone digitally. Okay. It's more believable. Sure. Practical makeup versus, well, we're going to film all this and then we're going to hope that it turns out looking okay. when we de-age them,
0: I don't think they would do it if they didn't think it was going to look right. That's the thing. Like, I don't think Scorsese would do that. Also, uh,
1: how much do you think our Netflix subscriptions are going to go up when, uh, they realize how much money they spent to get these big name actors and use the digital.
0: Now that you've got me there. You've got me there.
1: Rather than getting newer actors that maybe a little cheaper and still can do a great job.
0: Sure. I mean, that's fair. So like I said, I'm just, I'm looking at it both ways. So, so Hobbs and Shaw this week came out number one at the box office. We had a chance to watch it early. Tricia, what'd you think?
1: liked it a lot more than I expected to.
0: Okay. You did not see Fate of the Furious, the last Fast and Furious movie, yeah. correct? So you didn't really have a whole lot other than what you learned from on, which was yeah. Deckard Shaw coming kind of into play. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we watched it. I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Like, I knew mm-hmm. it was going to be – I knew I was probably going to like it. What's wrong, Sasha? We're being joined by a cat today instead of the dogs <laughs> as we normally do. So, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, anyway, I, I wound up liking the movie quite a bit more than I thought I was going to. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that, uh, it was very, very over the top, very much a throwback to a dumb eighties action movie, buddy cop movie, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that kind of played to its favor. Yeah. It also had some amazing cameos that I'm not going to give away here. Uh, fantastic. they, they were great. Uh, and they definitely added more to the movie than I thought they would actually take away from. Cause like yeah. when the first, when the first one popped up, yes, we were excited. And then I went, is this just going to be us just, just doing this the whole way through? And they didn't do a whole lot of that, but then they brought in another person. Mm-hmm. And you could probably figure out who it is just by knowing who the rock hangs out with.
1: true. Sure.
0: Um, and again, did not, did not take me out of the movie because the movie is already over the top anyway, so it actually works for me. Uh, I did wind up um, I wound up seeing it again. All right, so this is what I was talking about in the first segment that we were, we were going over. So I wound up watching it with Kyle Humphrey, and it's a two-hour and 15-minute movie. Mm-hmm. It is action-packed. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a dull moment in it. No. I don't think there's really any slow spots. However, there's a woman sitting in front of us with her family playing on her phone she's shopping for panties Trisha is shopping for panties like vibrant colorful panties like I'm sitting there going what what What? why how is this more important look you you got the rock on screen he's probably going to be shirtless at some point I why do you need to shop for your panties now like uh, seriously I don't get it. And so, and it wasn't just that she was sitting there thinking around on her phone. She had it at full brightness, full brightness. And it made it even worse and made it a lot less enjoyable the second time around. But then to add to it, she does take her phone at one point while she still got it while shopping and hands it on down the row to one of her daughters at the end of the row so they could pick out whatever they needed to shop for. Right? And then took it back. This went on for half the movie. The other half of the movie, I could see it poking out of her purse with just the light on. And I'm just, are dead by the
1: end
0: of the movie? I don't know. What made it even funnier, though, is that we got to the end of the movie, and the, uh... <laughs> somebody lost something. And so they had to get up and turn on their flashlights to find it. And, of course, you know there's multiple credit sequences throughout that and so anyways i'm like are you serious well at least you lost whatever it was you were looking for i don't think they found it and that made me happy because karma's a bitch (sighs) but yeah um no i thought the movie was a a blast and it was honestly i think i liked it better than any of the fast and furious movies i've seen and that's kind of a big proclamation (laughs) so because i know a lot of people are really like all about those movies, and I get yeah. it because I'm a car guy. I like cars.
1: I enjoy them. It's not like no, they're not something I'm obsessed with,
0: though. right? Yeah, no. Like I know, I know. There's people that are like, well, no, no. For me, for me, the franchise should have ended at seven and called day. Agreed. Because um, I watched Fate of the Furious, and it was it wasn't bad. It was just over the top. And coming from you know bunch of car thieves with with rice burners and then dodge chargers and all that to now they work to save the world with the u.s (laughs) government and whoever else and i'm going that was we didn't have that like like one and two were kind of on the same page three spun off but was still in that same vein four was getting the group back together and and going back to stealing shit and taking revenge on drug dealers and whatnot i'm like okay all right and then five, we go for a big heist, and then after that, it's off the rails, and here we go. Like, I'm going... How big can we
1: make
0: it? Yeah, we just... We went over, way over the top. Which, again, with, this, with the Hobbs character, like, it works for me. But I'm going with, with the rest of the franchise. I'm like, I don't think that's necessarily good. What's this cat doing?
1: She's got the zooming.
0: happens? Oh, I know. Four dogs, they get them. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a blast. And so, yeah, um, enough so that, again, I saw it a second time. I got to watch a lady shop for her panties instead.
1: I can't believe
0: that. Oh, I can. I can. I did. I wanted to throw a can at her.
1: I I was, no one went and
0: told anyone. I was too lazy to get up. I became one of my customers. So, and it was the last show of the night. I am just like, Sigh. I'm done. Plus, I'd already seen the movie. Like. No, the fact that Isaac and Jada like didn't get up and sorry, I didn't mean to name drop, but they were watching the movie too. The fact that they didn't get up uh, and go see it or go say something was kind of surprising. The fact that nobody behind me went and said anything, but I think they were a bunch of teenagers, oh. so they don't see anything wrong with it. But my old man ass was just sitting here going, "Please stay off your phone." I think I actually did yell out, "Get off your phone!" a couple times. Oh, really? Yeah, and I don't think she could hear me over the over the noise of the movie. Probably
1: not.
0: Yeah, so. So, that being said, we've seen it. Now, are you ready for another Hobson and Shaw? They haven't announced one yet, but, you know, it's probably coming. Probably. Would I'm you seeing. Would you watch that over another Fast and Furious movie? Yeah. Okay. You're pretty well done after 7, too, aren't you?
1: Yeah. yeah. It should have ended there. Yeah. Especially after Paul Walker dying.
0: Right. Yeah, because I don't think you have anybody else that really plays off of Vin Diesel quite like that. No. So... No. Although, apparently for 9, they're bringing back... Mia? Was that the sister's name? Yeah. The one that ran off with Paul Walker? Yeah. yeah. They're bringing her back, and I'm going, well, how are you going to bring her back and not mention anything about him? I don't know. I do know that the second poster for this movie was probably one of the worst ones I've ever seen.
1: Which one was that?
0: Uh, it was the, not the one that we had hanging up where you could actually see it, The uh, where it's just The Rock and Jason Statham sitting on the respective rides. Uh, This one, and it's not like it's a bad poster. It's just a very Photoshop-looking poster. Hold on. I'll find it for you. Uh, Hold on. Okay. So this was the teaser. Again, the backdrop with them on the rides. Not a bad-looking poster, just not anything exciting. And then there's this. Where it's just all shot together. I just don't... I don't think it looks good.
1: Yeah, but... You act like every other action slash big cast movie hasn't done it?
0: Oh, no. I acknowledge it. It's just... This is the one that I said, well, I feel like we should talk about it. So... Because, like, it used to be back in the day. You had some beautiful, like, hand-drawn looking posters. Um, and now... Now you're getting just almost lazy Photoshop jobs. And I know a lot of people, like a lot of people like complaints over some of the MCU posters over the past decade, Mm -hmm. that there's just nothing real creative about them. Like the teaser posters, I think turn out great. The Mm -hmm. Spider-Man far from home poster, the winter soldier poster, mostly because they're minimal. Mm Um, you know, the winter soldier teaser is just cap shield. Yeah. You know, um, but then like I said, everything else, it just looks like it's Photoshopped together. And sometimes it doesn't even quite look right. I'm just I'm kind of wondering when did poster design kind of go out the window like you know it used to be people wanted to go and collect these things and we do still have kids that go and collect them like you and I yeah. still go grab posters but there's just nothing real exciting about any of them
1: probably when they realize they can make more money by just doing everything online for cheaper
0: probably probably when they realize
1: they don't need posters yeah. to advertise movies anymore
0: yeah well
1: like
0: yeah, that's probably true so I mean I'm just I'm just sitting there going it used to be that used to actually be kind of like a you know an art form is to design. How a poster. many times
1: did you see the poster before you heard about a movie online?
0: It used to be quite a bit. You're right. So although now it's now used to, they release
1: the poster online and it's a couple days before we see it in the theater if we see it in the theater. Right. For her to get any MCU stuff at the theater.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just, like I said, I just kind of wonder wonder why that has completely gone away other than, you know, the advent of technology changing the way that we go and go to the movies and shop for movies and all that. It's just it's kind of sad. It's
1: cheaper and easier to slap together a Photoshop job and ship it out than actually get the cast in. Right. To do a photo shoot or pay someone to take time to actually design something nice.
0: That's fair. That's don't agree fair. with that. No, I don't either. Like... Like I said, it makes me sad because I collect posters, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like this is just a new thing. It's been going on for a while. For a while. But at least back back in like the 90s, it was at least a photo shoot. And so you can actually put together – Yeah. You know, a good graphic artist could put together a good-looking poster.
1: Yeah.
0: Like the Pulp Fiction poster is just – It's Uma Thurman laying on her stomach with a, with a Pulp magazine in front of her, smoking a cigarette with the logo at the top and made to look like a, an old Pulp novel yeah. cover. And it looks good, you know. Um, but then you, you know, you flash forward and you don't see any of that anymore. Yep. So I don't know. It just made me kind of sad when I was watching Hobbs and Sh- or when or when we were getting those posters and I uh, was changing things out. Um, of course, you know, we get those new posters and they say, please display immediately. <laughs> and I go, okay, well, all right, it's for Hobbs and Shaw. It comes out in two weeks. I'll go change it out. Because I've looked at the other yeah. one long enough. And then I look at it and I'm like, why am I changing this out? I should just leave the other one up. It's a better-looking poster anyway. And like I said, it's nothing, nothing great or grand. But I mean, at least it looks looks like a little more thought was put into it by being a little more simple.
1: Yeah.
0: So I don't know, but anyway, well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, yeah, Tricia, thank you. Mm-hmm. So we'll um, let's see. Next week, we're probably definitely going to be talking about what's going on with uh, with scary movies and all that. Um, also planning to talk about our top five favorite book to movie adaptations. Yeah. I know I already started my list and it's it's rough, uh, picking and choosing. So, um, anyway, if you get a chance, please uh, hit the subscribe button that way you don't ever miss a show. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at uh, My Drunk Movie Theater. Um, on Twitter it's un- drunk underscore theater. Uh, you can always email us at My Drunk Movie Theater at gmail.com. Just give us any suggestions, any. Uh, questions you have or any topics you want us to discuss. We'll just see what happens from there. Um, That's going to do it for this week. I'm Kyle Sutton.
1: I'm Tricia Campbell.
0: And have a good day.